welcome to the Sunday morning service. You're listening to the First Century Apostolic Church FCAC Tema Community 5, Ghana. We preach, teach, and live the complete and unadulterated Word of God with genuine miracles, signs, and wonders taking place at every meeting with the Holy Spirit. Our aim is to follow in the steps of the apostles and disciples of the First Century Church founded by our Lord Jesus Christ. Get ready, therefore, for a powerful encounter with the Word and power of God, brought to you by Reverend Dr. V.C.Y. Edwards, the General Overseer of FCAC. He is a seasoned man of God who is blessed with a powerful teaching and deliverance ministry. Join us every Sunday at 9 a.m. prompt for our morning church services. Your life will never be the same again. God richly bless you as you join us in the service. Let us pray. Father God, we thank you for this day. We thank you, Lord, for the time, the energy, strength, wisdom that you gave us yesterday in cleaning up your house. No wonder you are anointing this morning. It's all great in our midst. Because it is even said here on earth that cleanliness is next to godliness. Your time, Lord, has come for us to declare your word. And we know that your word is spirit and is life. Let today's word be spirit and life to all who hear it, wherever they are, on the face of the earth, beginning from your house here in FCAC. Thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Shall we all be seated? Yesterday, as we were cleaning the, the house, we saw that the birds, the birds have made their nests, their houses, behind all our air conditioners. And some of the nests even contained um, baby birds <laughs> and eggs. So I've given instructions that when it's about 12 o'clock, because the ACs are not being used, so the birds have decided to use them. They see it, you know, they are enjoying the air conditioners, and we are not. <laughs> they come and put them on, and they enjoy the cool air. So, I've given instructions that when it's about 11.30 to 12 o'clock, we should put them on for, for about one hour before we close to drive away the beds, to drive the beds away. And um, I know the weather is cool. We are having a cool, a cool wave. Whereas in Europe, they are having a heat wave. The weather is cool here. This weather um, doesn't come every year. This year, it was announced that the weather will be extra cold. Until the 22nd of August, it's going to be very cold. So bear with me if we put the ACs on for about an hour before we, we close. Praise the Lord. Beloved, there was a man of God called um, A.W. Toza, very, very well-known man of God, very powerful ministry. And uh, once he said something, that is very true, and what he said was this, A.W. Toza, his name, he said, you cannot 
think your way up to God. You cannot think of how to get to God. You cannot think your way up to God. In the same way as if you want to get to the moon, you want to get to the moon, you cannot make a ladder from the earth and climb. Decide you're going to climb up a ladder to the moon. No, that's not how you get to the moon. In the same way, you cannot think your way up to, to God, to get to God. You get to God by faith. God has prescribed certain means, ways by which human beings can come up to him, to the kingdom of God. You get to God, you get to the kingdom of God by faith. According to the way that God says you should come to him. Not you thinking your way up to God. And there are many who want to go to God by thinking their own way. And therefore, they miss God. They miss God completely. They miss God. But A.W. said, but when you have now gone up to God by faith, when you get there, then God begins to show you the way you must think. And you will realize, if you are honest, if you are humble, you realize that the way you used to think is not the way that God wants you to think at all. So you get rid of your old ways of thinking. You stop thinking the way you used to think. Once you are in the kingdom of God, having read there by faith, then you begin to see things more clearly. Therefore, you give up. You give up the way that you used to do things and think. And then you do things, you see things the way God wants you to see them. The Bible says that when I was a child, when I was a child, I spoke as a child, thought as a child, behave as a child. But when I became a man, I gave up childish things. We are going to look at four ways that God wants us to, four reasons, four reasons, four ways by which God wants us to come up to him. And many of you may know some of them or all of them, but there are many Christians who are in houses of God who have no idea if you ask them, why, what are you in the house of God for? Why are you a Christian? Why have you accepted Jesus? They may not be able to say anything or t say much. So, this Sunday and the next three Sundays, God willing, we are going to look at the four motivations, four reasons, four reasons why God wants you to come up to him. And therefore, the four reasons why you go up to God. And if these reasons are not the reasons why you are in the house of God, then it means that you have missed them. You have missed the way. You have missed it. Then you are here for the wrong reasons. And unfortunately, there are many Christians who are in houses of God in churches for the wrong reasons. Wrong reasons. So this Sunday, the next three Sundays, we're going to look 
one by one are the four reasons, what I call four motivations, four motivations for you thinking your way up to God, how you must get to God. So this morning, the title is motivation number one. Motivation, motivation number one. Colon, you can put heaven there. Motivation number one, colon, heaven. Heaven. Today we're not going to look at heaven as you know it. We're going to look at some details of heaven that maybe you didn't know before. Details that you did not know before. So motivation number one, is heaven at the title. And we take our text from Second Corinthians five. Second Corinthians chapter five verses one to eight. Second Corinthians five one to eight. And let me say this again that these four reasons or motivations are what God wants you to have in mind. As you claim to be a believer in Jesus, as you go around calling yourself a Christian, these four reasons are what God wants you to have as the reasons for you coming to him. And if you don't have these reasons, then you are here, you are in the house of God for the wrong reason. And if you're there for the wrong reason, you end up with the wrong result. So, Corinthians chapter 5, verses 1 to 8. Now, read from the New King's version of the Bible. For we know that if our earthly house, this tent, is destroyed, we have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. For in this we groan earnestly desiring to be clothed with our habitation which is from heaven. If indeed having been clothed we shall not be found naked. For we who are in this tent grown, being burdened, not because we want to be unclothed but further clothed that mortality may be swallowed up by life. Now, he who has prepared us for this very thing is God, who also has given us the Spirit as a guarantee. So we are always confident, knowing that while we are at home in the body, we are absent from the Lord. But we walk by faith, not by sight. We are confident, yes, well pleased, rather to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. Church, say amen. amen. I'm going to take my time to explain these things. They're a bit difficult to understand, but I hope the uh, Holy Ghost will give us all understanding this morning. And then make some notes, put down some points. Hallelujah. Bless you, because there's always... With a man, with men, there's always a motive. A motive. M-O-T-I-V-E. 
For whatever we do in this life, for whatever we do, there is a motive. M-O-T-I-V. Uh, M-O-T-I-V, yes. A motive is defined as a reason for doing something. A motive can be defined as a reason why you are doing something. So if someone should ask you today, what is your motive for coming to church today? You must have a motive. You must have a reason why you are here this morning and you are not at the Sunday morning or mutual joint. Why you are not at the Sunday morning keep fit while you are here this morning. So a motive is defined as a reason why you are doing something. And in this life, almost everything we do must have a motive. Because see, motives, motives motivate. Motives motivate. Without a motive, you cannot be motivated. Without your desire to get a degree, you cannot study and go to university. You cannot spend money, spend hours studying, lectures, examinations. You must have a motive. It's a motive that will motivate you. Praise the Lord. So motives motivate. And therefore, your motive is what will motivate you in the service of God. Your reason for serving God is what to motivate you to serve God. If you don't have a reason, you can't serve God. And that's why many come to God without a reason. They don't know why they come to church. And therefore, after a while, they fall away. They disappear. They vanish. You don't see them again. Their faith is superficial. Trials will come. Temptations will come. They fall away. And especially when the motive has an assurance. You see, a motive that has an assurance, you know that at the end of it, you are going to achieve, you are going to receive that motive. Then the assurance of you are going to get what you came here for, what you are going to receive, the assurance will then make you persevere. And make you endure. It is the assurance of what you are in for that will give you the endurance and perseverance so that despite every challenge, every temptation, every problem, every difficulty, you will still endure. To endure is to be able to stand and not fall. Even though you are being attacked, you are being hit, you will still stand. You don't fall. You don't go back. And to persevere is when you are enduring and still going forward. There are some who endure standing still. They are enduring. To go forward is to persevere. May you all persevere. Therefore, the Bible says that he who endures to the end, he who endures to the end shall be saved. It is not those who begin. Not those who begin. There are many who begin the race, but many fail. Many don't reach the finish line. Those who endure to the end shall be saved. Church, say amen. amen. Clap your hand for Jesus. So, Paul begins with a statement of surety, of assurance. He said, for we know 
verse 5, chapter 5, verse 1. He said, for we know, we know, not that we have been told, not that we think, not that uh, we guess or we imagine. He said, for we know that if our earthly house, this tent is destroyed, we have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. Beloved, it has been appointed unto man to be born. There's a time to be born and a time to die. It has been appointed unto man to go through life. And no one is exempt. Nobody can be excused. Time to be born, you go through life, you go through babyhood, neonatal time, childhood, little child, big child, you go through adolescence, you marry, have children, and maybe you all marry and have children. You begin to work, you earn a living, you acquire properties, you acquire possessions, may you all acquire properties and possessions. And then, something you, can, you, you find yourself in the same way as you grow up, a time will come when you begin to age. You know, when you go through the aging process, you go through the aging process, and the time will come when you shall put off the body. The body. A time comes when you and I shall have to put off the body. And this is the appointment God for every human being. And no one can no one can, 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 can control it. You can't avoid it. So Paul says that for we know that if our earthly house, this tent, he's talking about his body, is destroyed. That when his life comes to an end, when life comes to an end is destroyed, then what? What happens after that? What happens after that? Paul said, for we know that if this earthly house, now his body, this tent, he calls it a tent, is destroyed, what happens, what happens after that? Because see, the real you, the real human being is not the body. You know it. The real human being, the real you, and the real me or I is not this body. The body is only a tent. It's a house. It's a case. It's like a, 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 the, the shell of a snail. The, the snail is, itself is the snail inside the shell or the tortoise. And that's how it is. So when the, when the tent is destroyed, then what happens to the real, the real you? And think of it. Think of it. So Paul says, in verse 1, we have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. We have a building from God. After that, we have a building from God, eternal in the heavens. This is not a house not made by hands, by human hands. Because what he says that the believer after death goes to be with God in heaven in his heavenly dwelling house. Beloved, many have debated, studied, deliberated that what happens to a believer when he, or a human being when he dies. The Bible is very clear. Very clear. 
When a man dies, he goes to be with the Lord. Now, what happens between the time what happens between the time that a man dies and Christ returns? It can be a hundred years, two thousand years. And we know that Paul and others they died about two thousand years ago. Christ has not returned. So what happens? Or what will happen to you and me when we put off this earthly tent? Until some things happen to you, you may not think about it. That's the Bible. Keeps from, right from Genesis, from the first book of the Bible to Revelation, the Bible keeps on repeating, 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 talking about, talking about your eternal dwelling place. That we are pilgrims. Here we are only passing through. This is not our eternal home. This is not where we are to live forever. We are only passing through. The Bible is also clear that the real you is not your body. The real you is your soul and your spirit. Tell if you agree with me, put your hands down for Jesus. So, the earthly body is a tent that houses man's spirits, which is his real self. Which is his real self. The Bible says that as long as you are in this body, now know this. As long as you are in this body, we groan because the body is burdened with weaknesses. As long as we are in this body, we groan because the, the body, this world is burdened, challenges, weaknesses. Hallelujah. Now, I sometimes think of there are many who, many, not all, there are many who, who are born or come from third world countries, underdeveloped countries. They say developing countries, but they are underdeveloped. We are not developing. We are underdeveloped. We are not developing at all. We are still underdeveloped. In fact, my brother-in-law calls us never to be developed countries. <laughs> and maybe I, and I'm, I, I tend to agree with him, because when you when you look at the way they, they are developing in Europe and other places, they are, they are living as far. We are not catching up. The gap is widening. The gap is widening. So my brother-in-law calls us that never to be developed countries. At best, you can say we are underdeveloped. After developing, forget it. We are not developing. And underdeveloped. So, you see, most people in never to be developed countries want to migrate to Europe, America, Australia to, to be developed countries. Not all, many, most people want to. Why? Because when you are in a never to be developed country, you see that place as oh, where you go, everything is nice. Environment is nice. Everything works. You get a job. You get a flat place. You live comfortably. You get nice food to eat. So, almost everyone wants to go there. Almost. Go to America, Canada. No one wants to go to a fellow under-to-be-developed countries. Never. Nobody wants to go there. 
So, we know that the way to go there is to get a visa. Buy the passport, get a visa. You have to buy a ticket. Airline ticket, very expensive. Because you can't trim there, you can't walk there. You can't jog there. You have to get an airline ticket. So, it's, it, costs, it takes some time to get there. Therefore, you know, many in never-to-be-developed countries try hard, spend money. Sometimes try even to tell lies. They take risks. Some even try to cross the Mediterranean and they get drowned to get there because they have a motive for going there. But I wonder whether they know that when you get there, when you get there, the same way as when you come to God, your thinking begin, your, your thoughts, your thinking begin to change. When you get there, then you realize, you may realize that maybe you are better off, better off in the never-to-be-developed country than over there. Yes, and there are many have discovered it. Too late. Too late. I thought I was in Germany many years ago. I was in Bremen. And I visited some Ghanaian friends and uh, were having a chat in the living room. Then this Ghanaian came, suit, in suit and in holding a briefcase. And when he came, I thought he would come and join us, but he went to the kitchen. And my host were with, with him in the kitchen for a 30 minutes. And when he came out, then he left. So I asked them, what, what this guy, why didn't he come and join us? Oh, He's selling to Toby and Kobe. In the briefcase that he's holding is all Kobe and Totobi. And he's going around. He, he has the address of all the Ghanaians in, in Bremen. And he visits them and sells on credit. Praise the Lord. Why wouldn't he stay, stay here and sell Kobe and Totobi here and make money here? But go to Germany. Buy a ticket, get a visa, passport to go and sell Kobe to Toby in, Brem in Bremen. Can you imagine that? Praise the Lord. So it is only when you get there. But you see, the thing is that how many even Christians, how many Christians think, think of what they will receive when they get to heaven after this life? Christians, believers, and unbelievers alike will go to every extent, any extent, any expense, money to get to the developed country. But how many of them will even apply 10% of that effort in an effort to get to heaven where you don't have to go and sell to Kobe and Totobi? Praise the Lord. Or more money. Hallelujah. Where everything is there, a dwelling made by God, not by human hands. Where you get there and everything is perfect. And yet, the effort that we will spend, we will make here to go to a developed country far exceeds even our thoughts of how to come up to God. I tell Buddha, look, I have never had a desire. I have never had a desire to stay outside. And I'll say it again. I was one day with a, a lady. I was, I was going to the UK. It was a lady who came from, I think, she came from Norway, from America. She was sitting next to me. 
And so I boasted about America, America. I said, no, me, do you know what? I told her, I have no desire to go to America. She was shocked because she thought everybody in Ghana must want to go to America. And one day I told the bishop, I don't, the bishop of America, I don't, I don't want to go to America. What am I going to do there? I said, look, if you are, even in a never to be developed country like Ghana, well, I'll say it open because I don't, how, why are we not developed? 16 years after independence, and we are still developing. When are we going to be, when are we going to be developed? When are we going to be developed? We've had cocoa, timber, box, everything, now oil, and we are still never to be developed. I'll say it. So I, I don't know. I don't want to go to America because I believe that here, three things. Work hard. Pray hard. Plan hard. You make it. Work hard. Pray hard. Now, serve God very well for God to bless. Six days, you shall do all your work. The seventh day, God blesses it for you. Ah, why wouldn't you develop? The country will not be developed, but you can develop. Hallelujah. May you develop even in the midst of an undeveloped country. Amen. Work hard. Don't be lazy. Work hard. God, they work hard. They work very hard to make their country developed. We are lazy. We are lazy in the never to be developed countries. A year, year started a year after. A year not started from Thursday. I want we near a year. Excuse not to go to work. Nobody, nobody should question you. Why didn't you come to know? When it rains, you don't go to work. So how can we develop? And when we go to work, what do we do? How much work? We don't want to go into that. When I told a fellow doctor, I didn't ask a doctor when I go to work. I look at how much work I do. I don't just go to work and close. As a doctor, today, how much work have I done? And I make sure that I do work 10 times more than what the hospital will pay me for that day. So if I hospital pay me 100 cities for that day, I have to make 1,000 cities for the hospital. Otherwise, I have not worked. We don't even look at how much work we do in a day. Hallelujah. Pray hard. Then I will serve God well. And then plan. Three things. Plan hard. And even though you live in a never to be country, you shall develop yourself. Hallelujah. Eh? Put your hand out for Jesus. But we have a place which has been developed for us already. A place developed for us already by God. God himself. Where God himself lives. If you want to go to America, Germany, Australia. What about where God himself, God's own country, where God is? Have you, have you thought of it? There are many things that will motivate us to go to developed country, but what are things that motivate you to go to heaven? We don't think of that. We don't think of that. And therefore, sometimes we even compromise. We compromise our worship of God just to travel. We know that where we are going, there's no church there. We don't serve God, and yet we want to go there. We know that the country where we are going to, no church. There's no church. No pastor. No, no hot church. There. And yet we go there because we are motivated by money, by work, by, by the, 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 how nice the place is. That is all. But how are we motivated to go to God? Motivation number one, 
heaven. Say heaven. Say another heaven. Clap your hand for Jesus. Second Peter chapter 1, verses 13 and 14. Second Peter chapter 1. Verses 13 and 14. 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 13 and 14. Yes, I think it is right, as long as I am in this tent, to tear you up by reminding you, knowing that shortly I must Put off my tent, just as our Lord Jesus Christ showed me. Praise the Lord. <coughs> Peter is saying, yes, I think it is right. As long as I'm in this tent, to stir you up, stir you up, by reminding you, knowing that shortly, very soon, this Peter, I must put off my tent. Peter he said that surely he's going to put off his tent. <laughs> Just as our Lord Jesus Christ has shown him. See, Peter was not worried or feeling sad or the fact that very soon he was going to die. He was looking forward eagerly, happily, looking forward to something better. Shortly, I have to go. And he didn't look sad. He was saying, I must tell you, I must have to remind you. It's something we all have to go through. And he was happy about it. Praise the Lord. I've, I've always said that, look, if an angel should appear in the church one day, here or Michelle Campbell or Tessie or Newater, if an angel should land here, bang, an angel. And say, yeah, how many of you want to go with me now to heaven? Right now, we are not even going home. From here, we are going. I don't think many of you will lift up their hands. I don't think there are many who will lift up their hands. No. And if you are here with your husband or your wife and, and the husband should make the mistake of lifting up his hand, the wife will say, hey, because you always see them, who call? Who should take care of the children? <laughs> the wife will protest. And vice versa. And the husband will say, hey, wifey, you want to go from here? Who will cook for me? For the simple reason of, of kitchen. But, so Peter said, I have to stir you up. I must tear you up. Beloved, have a motive. And be motivated by the motive. Because the motive is sure. There's an assurance attached to that motive. I'm not saying you are living now. May you all live up to 150 years old. But eventually, that, even if a thousand years, it will come. And don't wait until the last day before you begin to have that motive. Have the motive throughout your entire life. Because the motive with assurance is what to make you endure and persevere. And he who endures to the end or perseveres shall be saved. Just say amen. amen. Clap your two hands for Jesus. Now, notice that we are not talking about the return of Jesus. We're talking about what happens to a believer when he or she dies and the time that Christ comes? When Christ comes, 
we shall be all be raised up. You see, the mortal, the body, the body that is, will be raised up in immortality. The body shall be raised up. There shall be a resurrection raging about the body. But the spirit, this is, which is your real, you heard as you go after death, it goes to be with the Lord. And between, during that time interval, is what we are talking about. That's what we are talking about. Because when a believer dies, he or she immediately goes to be with the Lord. It is not that there's a time when Christ can die, the, the, the believer will wake, will wake up. No. Life does not stop. The believer does not die. But he or she goes to be with the Lord. Just say amen to that. And where? Where does the believer go to? So here, Paul is saying something. Five. He said, verse two, he said, For in this, in this tent we groan. We are suffering. Energy designed to be clothed with our habitation, which is from heaven. Now, this habitation is in fact a dwelling place. It's a dwelling place, a house. There's a, it's a mansion, a dwelling place, a place where you are going to live, waiting for you, for all of us, in heaven. Verse 4. For we who are in this tent grown, being burdened, not because we want to be unclothed, but further clothed, that mortality will be swallowed up by life. Now, he who has prepared us for this very thing is God. Verse 5. This very thing is God. Verse 6 says, So we are always confident, knowing that while we are at home in the body, we are absent from the Lord. Verse 8. For we are confident, yes, well pleased, rather to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. Just say, Amen. Amen. When Christ returns, there shall be a resurrection of the dead. And all those who sleep in Jesus whether in the sea or the land, wherever, shall be raised up and shall be given a mortal body, sorry, an immortal body, glorified body. But in the meantime, what happened to a believer? There's a place prepared for you in heaven that you go to. What happened to an unbeliever? We don't care about that. We're talking about the believer, you and I. And this should be the motivating factor Heaven must be the first, the number one motive that should motivate you to serve God. Because you don't want to miss it. You do not want to miss it. Hallelujah. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, 6 and 8. You have read already. Now, the scriptures are very clear. Scripture is very clear about this. When a believer dies, I said again, he or she goes immediately to heaven to be with the Lord. And we look at some supporting scriptures. Let's look at some supporting scriptures before we end. There are many scriptures, but I will look at a few. Uh, some of these may blow your mind. Now, John chapter 8, verse 51. John chapter 8, verse 51. Our first scripture. John chapter 8, verse 51. If you dare say Amen. This is Jesus speaking. This is God himself speaking. And God cannot lie. He says, in John 8, 15, he says, most assuredly, I say to that, it is sure, most assuredly, I say to you, if 
anyone keeps my word, he shall never see death. If anyone keeps my word, he shall never see death. There was a man called Kenneth Hagin who was sick. Now, at one time, he, he died. And when he died, he came back to life. And then he wrote that he saw himself leaving the body. He saw his body lying on the bed and his parents, his parents were crying over the body. And he saw himself just leave and go, leave. And I've told you how my wife went to Nigeria. She was sick and went to hospital. They gave her an injection. We didn't know that she was allergic to that injection. They gave her an injection and immediately went off. She died. My wife, she died. But God being so good, this was a Christian hospital. The, 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 the pastor was a, a gynecologist who was, who was um, sorry, the, 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 the gynecologist was a pastor. And so all the nurses, everybody there was a, a, a Christian. So they started praying, and my wife said she saw herself leave the body and was floating towards some bright area, bright light. She saw herself. And then after a while, she started coming back, entered her body, and then she woke up. So there are testimonies. There are contemporary testimonies. I have to go to prove this. And Jesus cannot lie. God cannot lie. Anyone who keeps my word, he shall never see death. John 11, verses 25 to 26. John chapter 11, John's gospel, 11, 25, 26. John chapter 11, 25, 26. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? Child, do you believe this? <coughs> then clap your hands for Jesus. Jesus himself is the resurrection and the life. He is life. He is life. And when you believe in him, you shall not die. <coughs> you shall not die. <laughs> now, Philippians chapter 1. Philippians 1. 21, 24. Philippians 1. <coughs> Excuse me. 21, 24. Philippians chapter 1. 21, 24. This is what Paul says. Paul says, For to me, to live is Christ. Verse 21. For to me, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. To die is gain. But if I live on in the flesh, this will mean fruit from my labor. Yet what I shall choose, I cannot tell. I cannot tell. For I am hard-pressed. I'm torn between the two. I'm hard-pressed between the two. Having a desire to depart and be with Christ, which is far better. Nevertheless, to remain in the flesh is more needful for you. He says, <laughs> in fact, he will very much like right now, at that time, to depart and to be with the Lord. That means, as soon as he departs from here, he's with the Lord. To depart and be with the Lord. 
which to him was far better. Far better. But he was here. So being here, needful for you. I told her, God showed me a vision of heaven once. That's a, a brief, brief vision. And what I saw, I was a young man, young, young man, Christian. What I saw, when I woke up, woke up, I said, ah, let it, let it, have, let it be said, I said, oh, die, I'm sorry. He slept and never woke up. Because when, what I saw, I didn't want to come back. But when I woke up, I found myself in Jack Rome still. <laughs> I saw myself in the never to developed country. I, I, God showed me a glimpse of, of there. <laughs> and what I saw when I woke up here, ah, I wish I had never come back. I wish I had never come back. Praise the Lord. So I agree with Paul. I agree with him. He said, for me, to live, to live, to be here means Christ. But to die will be gain. Be gain. But it's not for me to choose. I'm hard-pressed. I'm torn between... I have a difficult decision. He said, this decision is difficult because I wish I could depart today, today, to be with the Lord, which will be far better. If you think Ghana is better, <laughs> you are making a big mistake. Oh. There's a place waiting for you and for me. Hello? Hello? Yes, we're here and uh, we're, we had to buy petrol. Daniel went to buy petrol. Petrol, sister, CDs. He says, when he came, we were holding like as if he was holding a cup of water. He says, see this. You have to go and buy another CCC again. Twice. So, what is the world coming to? Well, how, how can this world? It's not going to get better. They talk about climate change, global warming. They're not going to get better. It is not. It's a better place. Paul saw it. Paul was caught up to the third heaven. He was caught up. God took him to where he is. And what he saw, he said, it is not lawful for him to say what, to declare what he saw. It's not lawful. He said, he can't express what he saw. Can't express. It's not, it's not been permitted to say some things. You have to take them by faith. So motivation number one, church, ask in the house of God, what is your motive for being here? And when this is your motive, then whatever challenge you go through will be, will be, will be immaterial. It will not affect you. Matthew 22, verses 31 and 32. Matthew 22. Matthew's Gospel. Chapter 22, verses 31 and 32. Matthew 22, 31 and 32. Again, Jesus speaking. He said, but concerning the resurrection of the dead, he said, but, are you there, somebody? Matthew 22, 31 and 32. Jesus said, but concerning the resurrection of the dead, have you not read what was spoken to you by God saying, I'm the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. God is not the God of the dead, but of the living. Church, how do you understand this? We say the God of Abraham, God of Isaac, God of Jacob. We say it all the time. But what is your understanding of it? They say, God is not the God of the dead, but of the living. In other words, they are still alive. They are not dead to be raised up only when, God, when Christ comes. No. 
they are still alive. God is not, if God calls himself, I'm the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. Because he's not the God of the dead. He's the God of the living. It means that these three are still alive. Though they are dead, they are alive. Church, may we never see death. May you and your children never see death. May you and your loved ones never see death. Michelle, come. Clap your hand for Jesus. Luke chapter 9, 29 and 31. Luke 9, Luke chapter 9, verses 29 to 31. Luke chapter 9, verses 29 to 31. As he prayed, as Jesus prayed, the appearance of his face was altered, and his robe became white and glistening. And behold, two men talked with him, who were Moses and Elijah. Two men talked with him, who were Moses and Elijah, who appeared in glory and spoke of his disease which he was about to accomplish at Jerusalem. They appeared in glory. So Moses and Elijah were, they were long gone. They were gone. But here they were. Here they were alive somewhere. They were still alive somewhere. Therefore they came to be with Jesus. They came. <laughs> the end of your life is not when you leave here. No. In fact, it's not the beginning of your life. I see it at the real beginning of my life. If when I leave this world, it's, it's a, you know, if, if, before your, ma- your hand goes, your mother breasts are added. <laughs> breasts are added. Before your, your hand goes to your mouth, you toil, toil, sweat. Ah, why? All your life. All your life. Now, Luke 16. Luke 16. Have we look at Luke, Luke 9? Yeah, we look at Luke 9, yeah. Now, Luke 16, 22, 23. Luke 16. Luke's gospel, chapter 16, 22, and 23. If you there, say amen. So, Luke 16, 22. So it was that the beggar died. The beggar died. And was carried by the angels to Abraham's bosom, to heaven. The rich man also died and was buried. He was buried. <laughs> and being in torments in Hades, he lifted up his eyes and saw Abraham afar off and Lazarus and Lazarus in his bosom. Now, this the story of Lazarus and the rich man, or the rich man Lazarus, is not a, it's not a, it's not a, a parable. In parables, no names are mentioned. In all the parables, a certain man was traveling from Jerusalem to Jericho. In all of Jesus' parables, they don't mention names. They are stories with a heavenly, earthly stories with a heavenly meanings. But the story of Lazarus and the rich man is not a parable. It actually happened. 
it happened to a certain rich man and a man called Lazarus. Lazarus died and he was carried by angels straight to heaven, paradise. The rich man also died and he was buried. He wasn't carried up, he was buried. Buried. That's another, another supporting scripture. And then also, Luke 23, 42 and 43. Luke 23, 42 and 43. Luke's Gospel, chapter 23, 42 and 43. This was the, the thief, the armed robber who was crucified with Jesus. Said, then he said to Jesus, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus said to him, Assuredly, I say to you, today, just say today, you'll be with me in paradise. He didn't say when I return or next week. He said, today, today, you'll be with me in paradise. He said, Lord, Remember me when you come in your kingdom. He said, Assuredly, I say to you, today you'll be with me. You'll be with me in paradise. Hey, can you think of it? Then finally, John's Gospel, chapter 14, verse 2. John 14, verse 2. John 14, verse 2. Again, Jesus teaching, telling us some things that we didn't know before. John chapter 14. Verse 2. In my father's house are many mansions. Church, what's a mansion? It's a big house. <laughs> yeah, when you say you live in a mansion, it's not a single room. It's not a hall and chamber. It is <laughs> a big house. Some Bible say dwellings. It's a house. Dwellings. If you are not so, I have told you, I go to prepare a place for you. I go to prepare a place for you. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself. That where I am, there you may be also. And where I go, you know. And the way you know. He said, and where I go, you know. And the way you know. May you all know the way. May you know the way. The way to go there is not to go to church because you want to marry. That's not the way to go there. The way to go there is not to say you are a Christian because you want healings in your body. No, because you come for healing. No. The way, to, the way to go to where Jesus is, where he's going, where he's gone to, is not because you want to get rich, because you want God to bless your business. It's not because you want to get money. Unfortunately, the devil is now infiltrated a church that some churches are now Preaching money, prosperity. They are preaching miracles and faking and falsifying miracles. And those churches are filled with people. Filled to capacity. Can't even, and when you go there, charge you money at the gate. You pay money at the If it's money you want, you have to invest money. So if you go there for if you go there for, for money, you have to pay money at the gate. If you have to sow a seed. Praise the Lord. Yes. Sow a seed. If you want money, sow a seed. Have we, have we said sow a seed here before? 
No. If you want money, so I seed. If you want your business to for your tithe, you want your business to prosper your tithe, don't pay to a church. Pay to the pastor person. There are some churches where the people pay tithe to the pastor. Is he Melchizedek? Is the pastor Melchizedek? Pay this tithe. I know a, a bishop, was, he, there was a member in a branch who was paying a lot of tithe. He said, you enter our branch, you enter our headquarters. The tithe was so heavy. He said, this tithe kind of tithe, you don't pay at the branch. You pay it at the headquarters. So come to the headquarters. So they transferred the member. Though he lived in Dansoma, they transferred him to the headquarters in Accra. So I, because of his tithe. And they named the yin and praise the Lord. <laughs> Thomas said to him, verse 5, Lord, we do not know where you are going. And how can we know? You know, Thomas, how can we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. <laughs> and then verse 7 says, If you have known me, you have known my Father also. And from now on, you know him and have seen him. Amen. Amen. The motivation number one, therefore, as you can see, is not for something here on earth. Your motivation for serving God must not be based on something here on the earth. It is not here on the earth. It is in heaven. It is in heaven. Colossians 3, verses 1 and 2. Colossians 3, 1 and 2. Colossians 3, 1 and 2. Colossians 3, 1 and 2. If then... You were raised with Christ. In other words, you are a believer. Seek those things which are above. Seek those things which are above. Where Christ is. Sitting at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above. Not on things on the earth. For you died. And your life is hidden with Christ in God. For you died. And your life is hidden with Christ in God. Tell that in your Bibles. Set your mind on things about verse 2, not on things on the earth. Where Christ is in heaven, sitting on the right hand of God. Finally, Romans 14, Romans 14, verses 17 and 18. Romans 14. Fourteen, seventeen, and 18. Romans chapter 14, 17 and 18. For the kingdom, are you all there? If you are there, say amen. Romans chapter 14. Romans chapter 14. I'm waiting for one, there's one more, I'm waiting for her to finish before I read. She's still open, so I'm waiting for her. I won't tell you who she is. Aha, uh -huh, she's there now. Romans 14, 17, 18 says, For the kingdom of heaven, or the kingdom of God, for the kingdom of God or kingdom of heaven is not eating and drinking. It's not eating and drinking. But righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. For he who serves Christ in these things is 
acceptable to God and approved by men. Look at this scripture, final scripture. The kingdom of God. And your party is not partying. It's not all enjoyment. But may God bless you. Seek you for the kingdom of God in righteousness. God will add everything else to it. But the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking. It is not euphoria. It is not partying. It's not everything being well. No. Righteousness. Doing what is right in the sight of God. Peace. Though you are, you are in trouble, you still have peace. And you have joy. You may not be happy, but you have joy. And all these things happen in the Holy Spirit. In the Holy Spirit. The Bible goes on saying, verse 18, that those who serve God, those who serve Christ, for he who serves Christ, in these things, in these things, is acceptable to God and approved by men. Motivation number one, heaven. Just say motivation number one, heaven. Say heaven. Clap your hand for Jesus. Church, I am not saying it. God is saying it. Therefore, like I said, if your motivation is different, then it means that you've missed the point. You've missed it. You cannot, you cannot think up, you cannot think your way up to God. You cannot decide how to get to God. No. In the same way, I cannot get to the moon by setting up a ladder here and climbing a ladder to the moon. No, you can't. You get to God by faith. Now, when you get there, when you get to God, you see things clear, then, then you begin to think about God. He said, when you come to God, then you begin to think about God. Then you see things that will change your thinking. Then your mind will be renewed. Your mind will be totally renewed. Notice that this motivation is not for anything here on earth. But that's why the devil is using things that are here on earth to get people out of the kingdom. The devil is using people set your eyes here on the earth so the devil will use it to get you out. But if your mind is set on things above, things here don't matter. They don't matter. They don't matter anymore. They don't matter anymore. I was telling someone that uh, I, I get angry when people go to jail. Was it someone that yesterday? People go to prison. They go to prison. Then when they come out, before they went to prison, they were armed robbers and unbelievers. Then they go to prison. After 10 years, they come out. Then they go inside their own church. They say now they are pastors. Not even church members. Pastors. Why? Because having been in prison for 10 years, nobody will employ them. Onisika, no money, no job, not employable, nowhere to live. But people even run away from them. So the only way they can, the only motive they can have for surviving is by starting a church. So they start a fellowship. They say, oh, this man, people like it. Oh, I'll go prison and so what? I'll go prison and so what? He's a criminal. The fact that I have been to prison even attracts people to him. And yet we have not, we, we have not been to prison. Nobody wants to come to our church. 
very strange. <laughs> Let an arm robber go to Brinia and Kansas. You see, I will go there. An arm robber. <laughs> Hallelujah. Because the, the motivation, the motive is to earn a living. Earn a living. That is all. Let your motive, your motivation be for heaven. Number one. Amen. Clap your two hands for Jesus. Thank you for joining us for this Sunday morning's Bible study and sermon. We believe you have been blessed by the word. Join us same time next Sunday and have a blessed week.